Hello and welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're always so encouraged to know that God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send a message to lifechange at hopecityonline.net. Now, let's prepare our hearts for a powerful message out of God's Word. I'm glad you're here. If you have a Bible or a phone or a tablet or something, hopefully you're saved and you have an Apple product. Um, you, um, you Android users um, need to get delivered in Jesus' name. Uh, but turn with me really quickly to Ephesians chapter 6, the book of Ephesians, the epistle that Paul writes to the church there in Ephesus. And I believe the church in Harrisburg today, Ephesians chapter 6, as if you've been coming for the last few weeks in the new year, hopefully you have and you're consistent to come to church every week and gather. There's a power when we gather together. Uh, you have been in this series called A New You. And uh, Pastor Robbie did exactly what he said. He forgot to tell me that he was back. He forgot to tell me what he wanted me to share on um, until like Thursday night. And so praise the Lord. It's his fault if this message is no good. Uh, But in Ephesians chapter 6, for those of you, before you get angry, you're maybe a little older and just say, all these young people and this technology and screens and phones and tablets, you haven't read your Bible and you're actually unbiblical because Moses had tablets. I thought it was funny to me. Praise the Lord. Um, I'll laugh at myself. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul writing the Apostle Paul to us today through the unction of the power of the Holy Spirit says this. He says in verse 10, finally, Hope City, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full, everybody say full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes everybody say when so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after having done everything to stand stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition to all this the king james says above all take the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Title of my message for you this morning, and we'll go beat the line. Exactly is dressed for a difference. Turn to the person beside you and say, are you dressed for a difference? Okay, now turn to the person that was your second option and say, are you dressed for a difference? Hopefully you turn to your spouse first. Help us, Jesus, bow your head. Let's pray. Father, right now we thank you in the matchless, mighty, magnificent name of Jesus, God, that you would have your way. And like we sang, God, that your spirit would come. Spirit, come in this place. Lord, decrease me, the man, and Lord, increase you, your spirit. God, hide me behind the cross. Speak powerfully, prophetically, and accurately to these, your people. God, thank you that, like Pastor Robbie said, we're not here on accident, but the next 40 minutes, Lord, are on purpose They were predestined before the foundation of the world. So God, do what only you can do. Speak powerfully today and help us to believe and receive everything that you say to us. In Jesus' name, and we all said together. Come on, and we all said together. Amen. 
Amen. Hallelujah. One of the reasons, thank you, my friend, why I honor your pastor is because the fact that he's going through with this adoption speaks to his heart. Because I have four children. I have an eight-year-old daughter, a six-year-old daughter, a five-year-old daughter. I love my wife. And I have a one-and-a-half-year-old son. In my family, we have a phrase says, hashtag four and no more. We are done. Shop is closed in Jesus' name. Clink, clink. Everything's finished. Why? Because... I love my children, but four kids is a whole lot. If you have kids or you've been around kids, you understand. Kids are a lot. But the fact that they had a baby on the way, they could have said, well, some stuff happened with the paperwork. No, but because of their heart and the commitment they had made, they not only had a baby in the natural that they carry around and do church with all the time, they went ahead and adopted a girl from the Ukraine that would have not even known the difference That is the love of Jesus being lived out through your pastor. And I love that because one of the things, yeah, give that up. One of the things that I, 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 I mean, praise God for Compassion International. That's awesome to sponsor a child, but to have another child and the cost of adoption alone. If you need to know anything about me is that I'm cheap. I get it from my mom. My mom's maiden name was McDougal. We called her Frugal McDougal. So frugality runs in my family. So I found out with my first child how much it cost with Blue Cross and Blue Shield, what the copay, what the pay was going to be to have a natural birth or a a C-section. So when we were in the delivery room, they asked my wife, do you want an epidural? I said, babe, before you answer that question, (laughs) I'm serious. I said, this is a $4,000 decision. So... On a scale of not 1 to 10, how bad is the pain? But on a scale of 0 to 4,000, how bad is your pain? She said, it hurts. I said, but how bad? Is it 10? If it's not 4,000, no epidural. We'll just keep going natural. Come on, babe. You can do it. Then after the first one, I saw what the doctor did. I tried to convince her with all the last ones. Babe, I can deliver at home. Home birth, natural, homeopathic. Because I ain't want to pay. The fact that he paid to adopt the child. He loves Jesus. I don't even, listen, I don't even, I have three daughters. The reign of Barbie is over. I kept going until I had a boy. The reign of Barbie's over at my house. We play football, basketball. My son's one. He does push-ups and up-downs. Because I've been waiting. My wife's like, stop teaching him how to wrestle and box the other day in children's church. He hit a first-time guest, which is not a good look. Hey, I'm the pastor. I'm calling to let you know my son hit your kid in the face. Sorry about that. But he was being a boy. So I have these daughters, but daughters and kids are expensive. And daughters will steal your heart and they'll steal your wallet at the same time. So what I do is I take them to a fine, fine experience of shopping because I'm their dad and I like to bless them. I take them to the Dollar Tree. Yep. Where everything is a dollar. Dollar General is not a real Dollar Tree. That's bootleg. Dollar Tree, everything's a dollar. And just yesterday we went in Harrisburg. They said, Dad, can you take us? And I was like, girls, I love y'all so much. I'll take you. They were like, Daddy, can you get one thing today? I was like, you know what? Y'all been super obedient. And obedience brings blessings. So I'm trying to preach to them. And I said, you can get two things. And they were like, Daddy, you're the best daddy ever. And I was like, I know, I know, I know, right? I'm better than Pastor Robbie. No. Um, and I love my daughter so much. But one of the reasons why I'm done having kids is because when you start to love your kids, you start to turn into that like super overprotective parent. 
And right now, I am that I am the helicopter dad. Because we have my daughter in third grade getting bullied. Oh, yeah, it's going down. There's a little boy in her class, and I thought, oh, third grade drama. And it's gone on for months to the point where my daughter wrote me a note and said, Daddy, and left it on my desk and said, Daddy, can you please come to school and help me with this young boy? She named him because I'm afraid to go to school. So um, I'd love to say that Jesus was my peace and I was peace be still. But um, as a dad, peace be a piece of steel in Jesus name. Uh, sir, if you understand, I have a gun with my daughter's name on it and the second daughter and the third, I have three of them. And yeah, Jesus is my peace, but I also have a little extra peace because Peter carried a sword. So I figure it's biblical. And what I did was I said, baby girl, don't worry about it. I'm going to school with you. So I walked her into class. And then when I went into class, as I was talking with her about this bullying situation, she's telling me how this bully has a whole ring in his class what, of what he calls his minions. Yeah, this is a real bully. And he, not only does he have minions, sir, he has them ranked in file. He has a captain of the minions, a lieutenant of the minions, and then he has team leaders of the minions. If this is your child, you need prayer. And so um, I said, okay. And I went, and as I walked in, the teacher didn't see me. I did check in, don't judge me. But she was working at her computer. And when I walked in, I said, Miranda, where is he? Where is he? She said, no, daddy, don't do it. I said, where is he? She said, he's right there. And I looked over, and this little boy was cowered down, and all his minions said, ooh. And the teacher still didn't see me. So I was like, this is my moment. God has made a way where there is no way. And I walked over to him, and I stared directly in his sight, away from the teacher's eyes. She couldn't see me. And I said, I may have threatened a child in third grade. And (laughs) I was just saying, and I would lay hands on him. And as I was doing this, I was like, the teacher said, oh, Mr. Dooley. And I said, oh, God bless you. God bless you. (laughs) Yes, Pastor Dooley, you're here. Yeah. Um, Can I talk to you about something? The craziest thing was that the teacher operated this class day in and day out. But she has no clue of the bullying and that the bullying has a whole other alternative ring of minions that goes on in her class. While she's teaching, there's a whole other world of minionship that is happening. And I thought to myself, as cr- how is it that she doesn't know this? As I thought about that, the Holy Spirit said to me, that's just like my church. My church is operating day in and day out. We go to Her- we go to we drive to Charlotte for work. We drive back. We go to our nice homes in Abington and Bridgepoint, and we go to our our town home that we got in our apartment, and we have our relationships, and we have our nice cars, and we live in a pretty good area in the suburbs, and our kids go to good schools, and we're going through life in this alternative reality that we don't recognize that in the spiritual realm there's a bully named Satan who has minions called demons and powers that are determined to bully you away from what God has called you to do. Whether you know it or not, the Bible says in John 10, 10, we always quote that Jesus has come to give us life and that more abundantly, but we forget that it also says in the beginning that the thief, Satan, comes to steal, 
kill and destroy. Whether you know it or not, you are in a fight. It is a fight for your life. And there is an alternative realm. It is the real realm, the spiritual realm in which we exist. Paul says in this, the letter to the church in Ephesus, four times in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly realms. What he's trying to get you to do and I to do is wake up to the fact that there's more to life than the things we see in the natural. That we are in a fight for life. That there is a bully and he is determined to destroy you. He's determined to destroy your marriage. He's determined to take your money. He's determined to take your peace. He's determined to turn your kids away from God. He will destroy you at all costs because what you didn't realize is that when you gave your heart to Jesus, for those of you who have, we often come to an altar and Pastor Robbie and we say, oh, we think kumbaya Christianity, kumbaya, my Lord. I get saved. Everything's going to be perfect. And we think communion with God, oh, so sweet. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. But we forget that communion with God means we will have confrontation with the devil. You can't join the other team and not be opposed by the opposite forces. So the moment you get on God's team, you are opposed by evil forces. And so, Pastor, that's kind of weird. I don't know about that. Here's the thing. That is a spiritual truth. Scary thing about spiritual truths is although you may not know them, although you may not believe them, they are operating in your life whether you know them or believe them or not. And you are in a war. You are in a battle. And the spirit trumps the natural. Genesis chapter 1. God's there. And he speaks from the spirit realm and the natural comes to be. In the same way, Paul says, hey, in the spirit realm, the heavenly realm, stuff happens, and then we see the effect in the natural. Pastor, okay, thanks. What are you saying? I'm saying, number one, you have to realize that the fight is on, that you are in a fight. It is a spiritual battle whether you recognize it or not. Uh, And the Bible tells us. When your day of evil comes, not if your day of evil comes, but when. Pastor Brian, this is called Hope City. Can you give us a little more hope? Okay, I am positively positive that your day of evil will come. Is that better? Because whether you know it or not, that's just not some eschatological, oh yeah, that's revelation in the day of evil. No, there's a day of evil in your life that will come. The moment you get the phone call from the doctor that says, yeah, mom had cancer. The moment you look at the bill, the moment you get laid off, the moment your marriage, you find out that your husband is looking at pornography and you didn't know it. The moment that you found out that your child is on drugs or they diagnosed them with this diagnosis. The moment your day of evil will come and whether it's your day of evil or someone else's, you know that you can find yourself in a day of difficulty because the fight is on. If you're going to fight that fight, let me just give you some good news. Here's some hope. The fight has already been won. The fight you're in has already been won. One, one of the things that I believe is probably the fourth person of the Godhead, if that's true, um, check with your pastor, is this thing called DVR. (laughs) DVR is from the Holy Spirit. Every good and perfect gift, like DVR, comes from the Lord. Why? Because DVR has allowed me to watch the game and still have a marriage. (laughs) Because if you're like anything like my wife, uh, ladies, you like to pick the absolute worst time to check and want to talk in the middle of the game. Cam is in mid-pass. 
Greg is, hey, babe, did I tell you what happened? No, and don't. Uh, Steph Curry is shooting at half court for the game winner. Hey, honey, could I tell you about this new, um, this new uh, fixer-upper that I watched? No. But now, thanks be to God, who always causes us to have DVR, I can pause the game and say, honey, I would love to talk to you. There's nothing more important than you. Really, honey? More important than the game? Girl, yes. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Play. But one of the things that happens is inevitably there's some wise, wise guy in my church who gets ESPN notifications on their phone. Let me see your hands. Just go ahead and confess. You sports center, ding, 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 ladies as well. You get the, yeah, you get them. And they will tell me while we're in church or they'll text me and say, Pastor, did you see the game? I thought the Panthers were going to win. Oh, the Tar Heels, ha, ha, ha. And they'll tell me the score, but I'll still watch the game. But when you watch a game that you know the score of in the end, you watch it differently than if you didn't know the outcome. So when Cam throws an interception, but you know that the Panthers won, well, not this year, but last year, when you know that they won and he throws an interception or somebody fumbles or Ted Ginn drops a touchdown pass, pray for Ted in his hands, you, you, sorry, you don't freak out because you know the outcome in the same way. The Bible tells us when that Jesus when they hung him high and stretched him wide. He died on a cross and he went and he conquered death, hell, and the grave so that you and I might walk victoriously in victory. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Through his son, you have, no matter what you're facing, cancer, diagnosis, sickness, poverty, disease, marital difficulty, struggles with sin, you have, at the end of the game, already won in Christ. Which tells me, Hope City, that I don't have to freak out in the middle. I can keep on watching. I can keep on walking. The fight has already been won. But if you're going to walk in that victory of the new you that God has called you to be, then you're going to have to do two things. Two things. For those of you note takers or you scholars or those of you listening, the first thing you're going to have to do is fight and address the right fight. Address the right fight. Address the right fight. When I lived in, in Durham, I was born in Miami, and I moved um, to a God-forsaken place uh, called Harrisburg. Um, no, just kidding, but I did. I was a city boy, and I moved to Harrisburg back when there were only three restaurants. AJ's, the AJ's Spaghetti, the AJ's Burger Carolina style. That, that was my two-bit deal. Subway and the Chinese restaurant by Food Lion. Two, two stoplights, cows. I grew up in the city, Miami, okay? I could walk to the store. I could walk to McDonald's. I want city life. Don't bring me up here to these cows in this country. This is horrible. I ran every time I could get. I'm going back to see family. I'm going back. I didn't want to stay here. I hated it, and then I fell in love with it. Middle school, high school, went to school here, played Central Cabarrus, um, just celebrated 50-year whatever Central Cabarrus. Dudes last night at the alumni thing had their jackets on button like this. Sometimes just let the letter jacket go, okay? And... <laughs> If that was you, I'm praying for you. And I hated it. But then I went to school at UNC Chapel Hill. And I went to Tar Hill. Yep, we rebuked the Blue Devils. Any Blue Devils in the house? 
Blue Devils, raise your hand. The Bible says that Satan is under our feet. We rebuke you, sir, in Jesus' name. Any Wolfpack fans? Mm-hmm. The Bible says there'll be wolves among them. Get out in Jesus' name. The, the Tar Heel is from the Lord. The, the, Satan would bruise the heel of, 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 the, of the woman, but he would be under her feet. So the Tar Heel is biblical, and so Jesus resides in the Tar Heels. Um, and so then, I never, ever wanted to come back to Charlotte. God called us back to Charlotte. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because when I lived in Durham, uh, there was this dude in the mall who was a ventriloquist. And he would sit in the middle of the mall with his puppet. Thing about this ventriloquist that was amazing and frustrating all at the same time is he would talk trash to you when you walk by. He would say stuff like, hey, you shouldn't wear that. Just because they make it in your size doesn't mean you should wear it. This one lady, she was wearing cheetah print pants, and he said, there's a pregnant cheetah loose in the mall. Yeah, he would talk noise. How did you get her? You must have money, sir. he say all kind of stuff. People would get so mad. I would too. I try to remember I'm a pastor. I don't want to be on like Facebook or Snapchat like fighting this dude. But what would it look like if you saw me walk by the ventriloquist, grab the puppet, throw the puppet down, and start stomping on his head? What'd you say about me? What'd you say about Pastor Robbie Skinny Jeans? What'd you say? What did you say? You said I look like a, a can of biscuits about to pop in these skinny jeans? What did you say? Y'all know the crescent rolls when you pop them? And, and, yeah, that's what I look. So anyway. Um, you would look crazy fighting the puppet. Can I suggest to you that we have a body of believers that go through life And we're fighting the puppet. The real fight is not with the puppet. The real fight is with the puppet master. And Ephesians teaches us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, and the powers of darkness in the spiritual realms. Which means the devil has a scheme. He is the puppet master determined to use people... To get you in your flesh and make you fight the wrong fight. Let's bring it to your house. Your wife says something crazy to you. Your husband, you found him, you found his Instagram or you found a letter to an old girlfriend or something happened or you, you, somebody struggling with alcohol and you automatically attack the person because it must be you that's my problem. You wait in line somewhere or one of the soccer moms cuts you off in the wrong way. Hopefully they don't have a Hope City sticker on the back. But you, and then you tell them, Jesus is number one. This finger. (laughs) They are not your problem. The real issue is the enemy behind it determined to get you to think that your fight and struggle is in the flesh. Your fight at work is not with the people on your job who are politicking and trying to, to cut you down and undercut you to your boss. They are not the fight. The fight at school is not with the teacher that is overlooking your child. The fight at school is not the bully or the minions. The fight at school is the enemy who's determined to make my daughter lose her identity in Christ by telling her she's stupid and ugly. You're, don't talk. Sit back. Shut up. You're nobody. Nobody likes you. That's the devil behind it all. And too often, church, we way gloss over that the root of our issue is spiritual. And we fight fruit issues 
Much of the preaching, not at this church, but in many churches, much of our prayers is an attempt to get God to change the fruit. When God and Paul is telling you, if you want to have the victory, you have to not focus on fruit, but start to deal with the spiritual root. Now, I'm not saying, please hear me, that everything's the devil. Do not be on 49 tomorrow. Laying hands on your car, rebuking the Chevron demon. Gaslight, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Is there anybody who you know how many miles left when the gaslight? Come on, come on, you will ride. You know I, it's on zero, but I can get another Tim. I can make it home in Jesus' name. Please do not run out of gas and start blaming the devil. That is not a spiritual problem. That's us. Praise the Lord. But most things have a spiritual root. Your issue in your marriage is not that your husband, you, I should have married Jill from Concord and man, I stayed with you at Central Cabarrus, Viking Pride, and I messed it up, J.M. Robinson. No, it's that you have a devil that wants to divide your marriage. You have an enemy that wants to take your peace, to take your money, to take your children and turn them away from God and get them hooked on pornography and other things and internet and all where they can't even pay attention. That is the devil. You have to fight the right fight. But if you're going to fight that fight, number one, you got to know that that is the fight. The fight is a spiritual battle. Okay, Pastor. Oh, thanks so much. All right, hurry up. Zach's piece is getting ready. The lines are going to get long. So what do you do? Well, when you fight the right fight and you address the right fight, you have to be dressed for the fight. You have to be dressed for the fight. Number one, I have to address the right fight. Number two, I have to dress for the fight, which is why Paul says, hey, you're in a fight, which means if you're in a fight, you have to dress with some armor. And you have to put on the armor of God. Many of us, can I just say, for the verse 10 tells us a very important spiritual truth. Many of us are losing the battle because the armor we're walking in is the armor of our own humanity. You can't win this war with your superior intellect. You can't win this war with your privilege, of your nationality, of your background, with your genealogy, of your family's history in Harrisburg, and you know everybody with your connections. You can't win this war from the job status that you have, from the 401k, the, 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 all the stuff you have, your Roth IRA, all your stocks and bonds. You can't win this war. I have a nice house. I drive a nice car, 2.5 kids, the dog, the yellow lab, and the picket fence. It's not white, it's red because we're, we're modern. And it's, you can't win with fleshly things you have to be strong church in the lord and his mighty power by putting on the full armor you have to dress for a difference if you want to see victory you're going to have to dress differently with the armor of god well okay armor of god what is that how do i dress pastor do i have to put on some boots like you and pastor robbie and and jeans that don't fit me what do i have to do here's what you have to do and we'll go through these and we'll go home in jesus name number one you got to put on the belt of truth the belt of truth not a belt buckle but a belt of truth what is the belt of truth how do i put that on the belt of truth is simply the truth of who god is And we know that who God is is revealed in the person of Jesus. The Bible says that if we've seen Jesus, we have seen the Father. So I have to know who God is. And God is ultimate truth. Truth, by definition, for you scholars, is absolute standard by which reality is measured. It's an absolute standard by which reality is measured. Come on, focus with me for a second. Truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. Which means that something can seem real, but not be true. 
truth and facts are not the same thing. That doesn't sound right, Pastor. Because we don't live in a natural world. We live there, but we have a home in heaven. And the spiritual truths overtake any natural facts. Let me give you some Bible. You ever read the story about Abram? Yeah, Abram was the same dude named Abraham. God changed his name to Abraham. She was Sarai first, changed her name to Sarah. Abram had no children, but God called him Abraham, which means father of many nations. He called him and told him to change his name, walk around, speaking the truth of who he was, although he calling himself, hey, call me the father of many nations. Hey, I'm Abraham. I'm the father of many nations. Your descendants will be as far as the sands. You can't even count them, God told him, but he had no kids. What does that mean? Abraham saw facts, but God's truth can always change the facts of your situation. That's good news because when the bills come due and Duke Power is calling my phone and the Harrisburg people that break my trash can all the time want to come and charge me that, that sewer bill, what happens is when I don't have the money because I had this and this and this happened and we got laid off and this happened, I can say, God, the truth of your word says that I am the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. Thanks be to God who always supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I wish I had a church that knew that God's truth can change Your facts. Why is that important? That's important, guys, because when you wake up in the morning tomorrow, the first thing you have to remind yourself of is that no matter what I look at today, God's truth prevails. Because if not, I wake up and I start to remember the facts of the sins that I committed, what I did, where I am, what's wrong, rather than the reality of that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus and that the old is gone, the new has come. I'm not who I used to be. That's the truth. The facts are, yeah, you sinned, you messed up. The truth is God loves you while you were yet a sinner. He died for you. Belt of truth. Nobody wants to leave home without a belt. All the old dudes in the gym help us Jesus who just have no care in the world. Maybe put lotion on with the, no towel. Sorry, I didn't mean to violate you. But my point is, you need to wear a belt because if you don't know the truth of God's word, the enemy will expose you. Start with the truth. Number two, after you put on a belt of truth, you got to put on this thing called the breastplate of righteousness. What's that, pastor? The breastplate was a, a piece of the Roman soldier's armor that carried and covered all of the vital organs, including the heart. Because if you're injured in your vital organs, you're going to pass away. You're going to die at some point. What is God saying? He's saying, I need you to put on righteousness. And righteousness is two things. There's two definitions. The first is a personal righteousness, which is the righteousness that Isaiah refers to when he says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. It's a personal lifestyle. Did I live right? Did I do right? Did I make the right decision? You need to live right. You can't leave food out. And there not be bugs that come. Okay, what are you saying, Pastor? You can't live a life of sin and win the victory in the spiritual battle. Because the powers of darkness are attracted to sin. So which means the Bible tells us that we have to avoid the fruitless deeds of darkness. Can I suggest that we don't even recognize what the fruitless deeds are? 
and we fill our lives with fruitless deeds, the real housewives of Harrisburg and Concord and um, University City and this show and Empire and Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder and this show, our favorite shows and Designated Survivor and this, and we're just cheering for Olivia Pope to get with Fitz because, oh, the romance and we don't like her and all the stuff that we pour into our lives, Instagram and Facebook and drama and CNN and Hillary did this and Trump did this and this person did that and this. And whether you wake up, you have this heaviness And what we've been doing is filling ourselves with fruitless deeds of darkness. But God says, hey, I want you not to live in darkness. I want you to walk in righteousness personally. But the personal righteousness can be tough because if you're like me, you struggle with sin. Whether you know it or not, Pastor Robbie struggles with sin. We all struggle in this life with sin. Paul said, hey, Romans 7, I try to do right, but when I want to do right, man, wrong is right there beside me. I, I struggle And you'll never feel righteous in your own personal righteousness, which is why there's positional righteousness. What do you mean? 2 Corinthians 5.17, the theme verse for this, this series says, you are a new creation. You are new in Christ Jesus, that you are now, 2 Corinthians 5.21, the righteousness of God in Christ. That through Jesus shed blood, you now get positionally placed with Jesus at the right hand of God. That his blood shed for you on the cross makes you right with God. It bridges the gap. That's what the cross does. It bridges the gap between you weren't righteous enough to be around God. So Jesus said, hey, I'm going to do it for you and I'm going to make you right with God. So I'm seated next to the throne of God. Why is that important tomorrow when you wake up? Because when all hell's breaking loose in your life and the day of evil hits you and you remember where you're seated at the right hand of God, instead of looking at your circumstance, you can look to your right and remember that God is on the throne. And not only is he on the throne, you're reigning in this life, Romans 5 says, with him. Can I just rebuke this idea in the church, and I'll be finished in a second, of this victim mentality? The church of Jesus Christ is the bride of him. We are not victims, We are not just waiting around for Jesus to come back to rescue us from this dark place. We are supposed to be his agents in the earth. We have power over sin, power over darkness, power over sickness. We have the power to reign in this life, Romans says, with Christ. Put on the breastplate. What's this dude stop yelling at me? Bring pastor back. Help us, Jesus. Well, like pastor in his boots and our little combat boots today, you got to put on shoes of peace. Shoes of peace, Paul says. What what do you mean? Okay, the gospel of peace says that I have peace with God, but it also means that I have peace from God. Peace with God, peace from God. Peace with God, peace from God. See, when we think peace from God, we think no problems. Hakuna Matata Christianity. Help us, Jesus. That's, That's what I want. Hakuna Matata, no problems, no worries. You got it. I love to live in a Disney movie with princesses and fairies. In fact, I feel like I am because my wife, she's a beauty and she married the beast. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But, yeah, make sure she gets that on the tape. Praise the Lord. Cut that, put that, to, send that to me. I need some points. Anyway, um, <laughs> shoes of peace. Your peace, biblical peace, shoes. The shoes that the Roman soldier wore had spikes on the bottom that allowed them to stand in the midst of shifting sands and difficult situations. See, biblical peace is not that God takes me to perfect places, but he uses imperfect places to perfect me. 
When I was a kid, I told you I lived in Miami. I was there when Hurricane Andrew happened, one of the worst storms in U.S. history. And in the middle of the hurricane, my dad said, hey, son, let's go outside. I said, dad, you're crazy. He said, son, I told you, let's go outside. Dad, you're nuts. Mom, dad's trying to make me go outside in a hurricane. We're going to die. Son, go outside with your father. Okay, open the door because everything's wooden, wood and, and blinds and shutters. You can't see that. And so we can't see. He opens the door, and it's as if nothing is wrong. There's this big circle of clear sky, but surrounded by black clouds, just like these curtains in this room. And I was like, Dad, where's the hurricane? He said, it's all around us. In fact, we're in the middle of the storm. He said, son, this is called the eye of the hurricane. He said, in every storm, there is a center, and it's called the eye of the storm. And I said, but, Dad, it's so calm. He said, exactly. Flip that to your situation. Biblical pieces that the, the, the whirlwinds of hell can be all around you. Marriage falling apart. The, the house is, is going to get repo. The car is going to get repo. The house is in repossessed. I don't, everything's going wrong. Where's the hope at Hope City? I've been coming here, but I don't have any more hope. I have less because the storms have got greater. Can I suggest that Jesus is the center eye of every storm? That if you keep your eye on him, you'll find that no matter what's swirling around you, that you can have peace in the middle of a storm. And when you wake up in the morning, you realize and you keep your eyes on Jesus because the level of your eyes will determine the level of your life. Which means the Bible tells me, let us, Hebrews chapter 10, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, not my problem. Peace comes when we walk with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Okay, I got shoes of peace on. Now what else? Hurry up because I'm hungry. Uh, Number four, you need the shield of faith. Shield of faith? What do you mean? You need the faith to fight back, the Bible says, against these fiery darts. Because what would happen in Roman times is that they would take darts and they would dip them in a pitch and a tar. They would light them on fire and shoot them. At the soldiers. And what it would do, it was, it would, it, it's not going to, it would hit the soldier. Yeah, okay, great. But that's not, that could burn me, but that's not going to kill me. But what the fiery dart is sent to do is to burn up everything around you. Right now, maybe the enemy is shooting fiery darts of difficulty to your marriage. Fiery darts of difficulty to your children. Fiery darts. And it can't affect you, but it can get your eyes focused on the wrong thing, which gets you in fear. Because fear is the opposite of faith. But you have to take this shield. And what the Roman soldiers would do, they got smart, is they put animal skin over the shield, historians say, and they dipped it in water. And they would use the shield, they would get behind it, and when the fiery dart came, it would quench the dart. Can I suggest that the water you dip your faith in is not just the water of the word? Because your faith, this is going to scare you, forgive me, Pastor Robbie, stay with me for a second. Your faith is not just based on the Bible. I'm not a heretic, I promise. Listen, if Pastor Robbie told his children, I'm taking you to Disney World, I'm taking you to Disney World tomorrow, I'm taking you to Disney World tomorrow, but he never takes them, he can make a million and one promises. His promises his kids can have no faith in because he's been unfaithful. See, our faith is rooted not just in the promises of God, our faith is rooted in the faithfulness of God. Because if God wasn't faithful, we could have no faith in his promises. Here's my point. When you wake up tomorrow and all hell is breaking loose around you and fiery darts are coming at you left and right, everything's happening, take a second and dip your shield of faith in the faithfulness of what God has done for you. 
How in the last battle, he showed up. How in the last bill needed to be paid, he made a way. Somebody shook something in your hand. You got a promotion. You got a raise. How when somebody was sick, you prayed and he answered. When somebody happened, dip your shield in the faithfulness of God. Because faith is not measured by how you feel. It's measured by your feet. Faith is measured in feet, not inches. What do you mean? Faith is measured by movement. Because without faith... And without works, faith is dead. And lastly, put on a helmet of salvation. Don't forget your helmet. Tell somebody real quick, don't forget your helmet. My kids want to ride bikes with no helmets and their mom screams. And I'm like, it's fine, they'll be okay. And she's like, no, put a helmet on. They got the flashing light helmets in the neighborhood because y'all drive too fast in our neighborhood, praise the Lord. The helmet of salvation. What is that? That is the knowledge that no matter what happens... I'm saved, and I'm going to be saved. And to be saved means to rescue. Sozo, salvation in the Greek. The word is sozo, to rescue, to deliver, to heal, to make whole, to set free, that I'm saved. It's more than just your sins being forgiven. It's that you have access when you're saved to all power from God. I got to put on that helmet and remember that no matter what I'm going through, my sins aren't just forgiven. Psalms 103 says, thanks be to God for all his benefits. His benefit package is way better than Blue Cross Blue Shield or any company you work for. It says that my sins are forgiven. My, all, my, all my sicknesses will be healed, that he will restore me. I will never see. He goes on. There's benefits that come with salvation. And what he's saying is think like me. When you wake up tomorrow, you got to think like God. How do you think God's thoughts? Well, you take the sword of the spirit, the last thing you take full armor, and you begin to think like him. How? You take his word, and you get it in you, and then you put it out of you. What are you saying? I could have a sword right now, but if I have a sword that I never swing, it's never a weapon. Many of you have a sword you don't use. You have the Bible. You have the promises of God, but you don't use them because you never speak them. Tomorrow when you wake up and you feel down and depressed, you say, Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. He said he would give me joy, that I could put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Thank you, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is my strength, that I will bless the Lord at all times. And you begin to put God's word in your mouth, you'll feel different. You'll walk different. And I don't know about you, but when you get a new outfit, ladies, you know this for sure, because y'all got different shades of colors to go with the right outfit. Do you really need another pair of red shoes? Yes, because these aren't red, Pastor. These are a different shade. This isn't regular pink. This is magenta and fuchsia and stuff I don't even know. How many pair of beige can you... Listen, you got all... But when you wear your new outfit, you walk different. Get some new shoes, you walk different. You walk with a confidence. And I am praying for you right now. Bow your head really quickly. God... As we dress with your armor, I pray that we would walk differently. I pray that we would walk in victory. We would walk knowing who we are as new creations in Christ. That there would be a new us. That we would go from victim to victor. That we would go to the walk in the overcomer that you have made us to be. Thank you that 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So God, thank you that at Hope City right now, there's hundreds of people who are leaving here and they're going to put on a new outfit. They're going to put on the armor for battle. 
And God, they're going to seek your face and they're going to know that they have victory. And Lord, they're going to pray on all occasions for themselves and for their pastor and his family. And God, we bless these, your people. We bless Hope City in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give it up for Pastor Brian Dooley and thank him for coming, sharing with us. That was good.